June 9, 2021. Lawyer talk off the record on the air, getting ready to interface with the Blitz because it is Wednesday. We've got at the table Mr. Blinsky. We have Brett. From Yo. S- Brett is here from Cir- Circle 270 Media in the Exchequer, checking the X's. Check. Uh, the Beard. Oh, wait, he's not here. AWOL's not here. No, oh, yeah. A-wall, A-wall. No, no. Uh, so anyway, yeah, we're, we're getting ready to interview. Did you ever figure groups. anything out there uh, for Mr. Speedy Gonzalez in his uh, Mustang? Last week, remember, he said that he got a ticket. <laughs> he, Oh, I did not. I did not. Yeah. I'm no, you, you haven't got that taken care of. I, no, no. <laughs> this is a guy. Thanks, Jared. Uh, <laughs> do you think Loper got his ticket taken care of yet? Uh, but well, he was he was addicted to the quality of the camera. Yeah. He, and he was like, that. it was like a great shot. Well, you know, he wants a copy of it. Maybe he's he's either a little bit vain, but that's fine. If you think about it, that makes stuff. makes a ticket. If they would give him a copy, then it's like that's like paying, paying a professional photographer if you really like the photo. <laughs> yeah. So it's like you know, I mean, one hundred fifty dollars speeding ticket. You know that 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 that's photo's worth it. Yeah. No, I mean, it's sure. a, like how much have you paid for a photo at Kings Island on a roller coaster? I, you know, I don't know how much. Not one hundred fifty. I just run down there, look at the screen. <laughs> is they about twenty five thirty? Is that I think what they're going for? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You get yeah. it framed and out. You get a different styles. Sure. You want it on a shirt. You <laughs> well, know, right. whatever you want. This is a, the, the government markup. What do you expect? So, you know, <laughs> I think uh, at least he's got a nice. See, that was his, he was riding the ride. <laughs> Wee! <laughs> <laughs> he was speeding in a convertible Mustang. <laughs> if he had his hands up in the air, oh, that would have been great. It would yeah, have been perfect. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, we can ask him how that worked out when uh, when we interface, and it looks like that's going to happen uh, right about now. Dial 821-9970. If you need free legal advice on Loper and Randy, better call Steve. All right, Steve Palmer joining us live. Uh, how you doing, Steve? Hey, we're doing great over here. How about you guys? Awesome, man. Uh, you know, my lawyer can be yours. Steve Palmer, we have a text right out of the gate. By the way, we have uh, two open lines if you want to sneak in real quick. Uh, 821-9970. All right, a legal question. My daughter has a foster child who was an addict baby. The mother of the baby has four children in another state that were also Attic babies. Those children are either in foster care or living with the parent's mother. I was wondering for my daughter who was interested in adopting her foster child, what were the steps and the start of the process and how long does a child have to be in her foster care before she can even think about asking to adopt the child? The mother is also pregnant again right now. She's pregnant again and due next year and is still on drugs. Any advice? Well, I, I, my advice is this. I don't know. Um, I hate to say that, but I'm not sure. But now, now, first of all, kudos for doing uh, what I will call God's work, fostering babies and uh, taking care of them and making sure they have a good home and then even wanting to adopt. I mean, that is, uh, that's awesome. And I'm sure there is a way. I'm sure there is a process. I'm sure it can be done. The adoption process, when there are parents involved, usually – now, this is generally, and then we'll talk about the timeline. Usually what happens is – you have to go to probate court and you file uh, whatever action is required to start the adoption process. Notification then has to go out to uh, all the parents. And that notification could be in person. It could be by publication. It has to be some reasonable means to get a hold of people. Even if they can't be found, uh, you have to publish notification. Uh, now, if they come in and object, obviously there's going to be hearings and proceedings about it. If they don't, uh, maybe you can get it done. Now, this is all general general. Uh, sort of big picture outlook. 
the specifics on this. I would start with uh, whatever foster program you're working with and see what they have to say. And then uh, I'd go to my old standby on such matters, Jay Michael, 614-443-6262. Uh, he knows a lot about adoption. Um, uh, and he is, I'm sure, could help give you some insight into this. And uh, I hope there is a way to get it done. Now, uh, generally, courts are going to defer to what is best for the children and what is going on. And uh, if it's the right thing to do, uh, hopefully they can get it done and, and you can adopt so or your daughter can adopt. I mean, that's uh, uh, that's about the best I have to offer for that. But talk to Jay. I'm sure he can help. Yeah, definitely. All right. We do have a call here. OK, uh, I just, do I have the sheet? I do. It's in front of me. What am I thinking? Hey, Chad, what's up? You're on with us. Loper and Randy. How are you? What's up, man? Uh, not too bad. I had a question, uh, legal advice, I guess. So, um, me and my fiance, we worked for a guy for about five years doing maintenance. Um, we had gotten a home. There's a mobile home park. Um, it was titled to us. Um, the gentleman passed away. His son came down, um, claimed that he was the owner of the, of the house. But we had documentation. We had the tax papers where it had been paid. It was in our name. Um, they threw us out of it, changed the locks on the doors, told us we couldn't go back into it. Um, and then when we went in for the money, we, we, we was evicted out of it. And I don't know how they threw all of our stuff out of it into the yard, ruined a bunch of our things, all of our things. Um, we went back for the money owed part of it because I guess it's a two part thing. Um, they told us we could go back and, and get our house, but when we tried to move it, they gave us a bunch of hassle. The guy that was moving it, the tire went flat. He pulled it into a field. Um, within a day and a half of that, the sheriffs were at our door telling us, you know, we had to sign the title over to them. And within an hour of that, they were demolishing it. Um, is there anything that can still be done about that? That's been about two and a half years ago. Ugh. Um, you know, I not there's there, I'm missing some some details here. I'm not sure how all this happened. I mean, if if they had the sheriff and the courts involved, then clearly whoever thought they owned this place or owned the land on which your trailer was sitting, uh, they were able to get some sort of court order that indicated they had the ability to do what they did. It sounds like that anyway. Well, they did own the land. They did own the land. But, um, see, like I said, me and my fiance worked for the gentleman. And, uh, you know, we, we never paid rent there. So what he did was went in and said that we owed him all this money for rent, his when he died, his son took it over. He, his son said that we owed him all this money for rent because we never paid rent. And uh, so when they, when they, the bailiff come to remove our things from the house, I had the tax paper on the door, and I told him, like, this gentleman does not own this property. He owns the ground, but not the contents or the home. I said, yeah. you know, if, if you come across the threshold, that's breaking and entering. If you take one thing out of here, it's robbery, and the guns on their sides made it armed robbery. Well, they did her anyway. I guess I would say this. It, to the extent there is something that still could be done, um, you'd want to get on it fast. I, I don't do this kind of law. I don't do uh, property law and landlord-tenant type stuff. And you're in a weird area where you probably have a handshake uh, oral agreement with the original owner. And that probably should have been in writing uh, under something called the statute. Well, we of had the title. No, I understand. But the agreement well, for free— have- Hold on a second. The, the agreement for free rent probably oh, yeah, should have been in writing, and it wasn't. And to enforce that, um, that gets sort of dicey because then you have to uh, you have to deal with something called the statute of frauds, which requires any written agreement for the dealing with real estate and or 
uh, a contract that's going to last more than a year or something like that it has to be in writing. Otherwise, you're now you're into this realm called equity where you've got maybe damages and you got to go try to prove it. I mean, it's it's a hard thing. Now, I, I, if there's still something that can be done, I can refer you somewhere or to somebody who maybe can help. 614-224-6142. Um, but, it, man, the, the sooner you get on things like this, the better. And uh, letting it go two and a half years, not that you, you – I'm not saying you should or shouldn't have done that, but here we are two and a half years later. It's going to be difficult to get back in. If there is not a statute of limitations that's going to prevent you from coming back in, maybe there's something you can do. Uh, and it's just I'm not the guy to tell you exactly what that is. All right, Steve Palmer yeah. on the line with us. Uh, if you guys want to get in on the uh, on the last stand here, 821-9970. We're going to take one more round of calls, some texts with Steve and company. Coming up next, it's Loper and Randy in the morning. All right, Steve, three minutes. Three minutes, all right. Pause it. Yep. <laughs> One of the Ozarks talked about weed eating <laughs> and how, how much it just destroys the, you, the spindles and spindles that you need weed eating in the rocks. Very abrasive. Oh, bro. <laughs> we were looking like at the Westgate. Hi, Steve Palmer back on with us. And we have a couple of legal questions here, Steve. We have uh, Jose online too. Jose, go ahead, man. Jose? Yes. You are on with Steve Palmer. Hey, uh, what can I do about an invalidly issued protection order? Oh, I missed that. What was the question? What can I do about an invalidly issued protection order? An invalidly issued protection order. See, that's, what you have baked into that question is the uh, term invalidly issued. So we'd have to first make sure that it was not validly issued, or if it were, what can be done about it? A lot of times protection orders happen this way. Like, Well, there's a couple different kinds, but let's... You know, generally speaking, if, if somebody is afraid for their physical safety, they've been threatened, or at least they allege that, they go to court and they get what's called an ex parte order. That means they get an order without the other person there. And then what happens, the judge or magistrate who signed the order, well, they, they say, all right, we're going to have a hearing here within five days or so, and we're going to get notification to the other party. And if they are successful and they get notification to the other party and the other party doesn't respond, and uh, the, if in five days, they'll go, I'll go back to court. And if you're not there, they'll, they'll issue the order. Uh, maybe they'll give you one more chance for service. Uh, if they don't have service, uh, th that's a different story. But if they do have service, if they have valid notice and service to the other party, they'll get the order without any sort of hearing uh, beyond uh, what, the, what the person uh, looking for the protection offers. So now, is there sometimes is a way to go back into court 
and uh, challenge it and say, I never got notice, notice was sent to the wrong place or whatever the situation is, and you can try to reopen it and relitigate it. It's always better, like sort of like the last call, it's always better to get this done and deal with it in real time as it's happening. Uh, and, but to, to the extent you can't do that, now you would need to go to set – you need to file a motion to set aside the order, a motion to reopen, a motion to go back into court and challenge uh, the basics of it. But to the extent that it is in place – you got to be careful because violations of a civil protection order can be crimes. They can result in incarceration. Uh, if it happens more than once, they can become felonies. I mean, things get really nasty really fast. Uh, if you want some help with it, 614-224-6142. Give us a shout. We'll talk more. All right. Thanks, Jose. We'll go to Brianna here, who has a child support question. Brianna? Hi. Yes, I'm here. What's your question? You're on with Steve. So I am currently dealing with child support um, and custody issues with um, the father of my children. I was with him for about six years, um, and we separated. Now, since we've separated, he's been not really paying any kind of money to the kids as far as um, food, daycare. I pay $1,400 a month in daycare, um, which essentially takes up all of my checks. Um, on top of car payment and everything like that. Now he's fighting with me about how much he should be paying, um, and saying that I'm using it for anything but my kids. He's actually had his friends go online and slander my name. Um, I have went ahead and filed for the child support and child custody. As far as the child custody goes, um, he rarely sees the kids um he went months at a time without seeing them and they're four and my son's turning three i mean in a couple of days um the only time that he really sees them is when it's brought to his attention that he should um but he would go months at a time and that would just destroy my children that's terrible well, who brings it to his attention? Like, who's like, hey, dummy, you got to see your kids. I mean, like, who finally says that? He's so into himself. God. I mean, I would say, like, I would constantly question the original schedule was Tuesdays, Thursdays, and every other weekend. Um, and I would text him, like, every Tuesday and Thursday, like, hey, are you going to come see your kids? You know, they miss you, anything like that. Um, his um, His mom... Um, I'm assuming would say something and that's when he would come see them. Um, well, let me, has- here, here, here's, here's sort of the short of this. It sounds like you've done what you need to do. It sounds like you've gone into court and you have, uh, filed a request for a child support order. And, you know, generally here's, here's what I tell everybody in this situation. I, first of all, I don't do domestic relations and custody law regularly, but I do know enough to tell you this, um, get to court get orders in place. And that way you have the framework and you have the rules. And if they're broken, there can be a consequence. So first and foremost, child support does not necessarily follow uh, custody or parenting time. In other words, just because he's not exercising parenting time doesn't mean he won't owe support and vice versa. Uh, So just because he has parenting time doesn't mean he does owe support or doesn't owe support. So it's just It's more those two things are separate and you need a court to allocate what is appropriate uh, as far as parenting time. And then you need a court to allocate what is appropriate as far as child support. 
if you've already established paternity, in other words, there's no dispute that he is the father of the children. And I'm not suggesting you're lying about that, but legally speaking, it has to be, that's the first step. Um, then, then the next question is who owes support and how much and what gets baked into that cake. It's sort of like a, a, a formula that doesn't make a whole lot of sense at times. I mean, the amount of time you spend with the child is now they've made some modifications that that now counts a little bit more than it did before. Uh, how much daycare is, how much healthcare is, how much the, each party makes, uh, earns, earns for their uh, living. And all of that comes, there's, there's actually a formula in a, in a program that spits out a number uh, and you can adjust it to make it um, full equalization or almost full equalization, whatever the situation would be. By equalization, I mean, if he pays you half more of what he makes than you or vice versa, then that's equalization, if that makes sense. Um, anyway, that, the child support needs to get in place. Then the child support enforcement agency will collect money on your behalf and send it to you. Now, they're not doing that for free. They take, they take their VIG, they charge a fee for that, and that gets tacked onto what he owes. Um, and that, the sooner you do that, the sooner you'll get paid. And then if you don't get paid, if you do have that order in place, you can go back and he can be held responsible for not paying handshake deals. Uh, I'll pay you. I promise deals. Those are never enforceable and worse yet. Uh, a lot of times, even though, uh, he hasn't paid or has paid, the courts won't really even look at that that much. They'll just say, wow, there's no order in place. So he didn't have to pay anyway. So no big deal. And then on his part, if he says, look, I've been supporting this child all the way through. And they say, well, there's no order in place. Uh, so we can't really count that. So the best thing you can do is get to court, get the rules established, and then you can move forward. Now, as far as parenting time goes, if the court's going to look at what's in the best interest of the children. And if they determine that uh, the kids are better off with you and he has zero parenting time, so be it. He still has the support. If they determine that uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays and every other weekend is his parenting time, great. If he doesn't exercise it, I would go back to court after a period of time and say he's not even showing up, doesn't doesn't want to be involved. Then you can then you can get an order that maybe uh, gives you exclusive parenting time. So that uh, starts with court, and that should before even then start with a good qualified domestic relations attorney to help you out. It's expensive, it costs money, and nobody wants to pay that money. But it's sort of like uh, auto insurance or any other expense that you don't like when you need it, and when you have it, it's worth every penny of it. So. If you need help getting a lawyer, 614-224-6142. Good luck to you, Brianna. Thanks for listening to the show. We appreciate you. Bye. All right, bye. All right, Steve Palmer, each and every Wednesday right here on our show. And Steve, you have your own podcast that people can check out. Yeah, we do. Uh, it's a lawyer talk. You can check it out at lawyertalkpodcast.com. Uh, if you need legal advice, obviously uh, look at it. Uh, go to our website, ohiolegaldefense.com. That's Yavich and Palmer. Or give us a shout. You know, the, the summer season is on us, and people are uh, unfortunately getting pulled over for DUIs. We've had a, uh, a few of those calls lately, 614-224-6142, 24-7. Steve Palmer, ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much. Now, so this is Lawyer Talk Live for those of you who just tuned into Blitz. And I know all the millions of listeners not only wait for us every single Wednesday to hear the Blitz, then they immediately shut off the radio and go right to Channel 511 to hear Lawyer Talk Live. Uh, so thank you, everybody, for the patronage. Anyway, this I, is... Uh, I saw you were taking notes during during today's show there. I you was. Were, you were really trying to help help some people out. You know, we do our best. So three um, callers and a text. Three callers in yes. a text, and yeah. uh, you know it's the typical stuff. It seems like we're we're back to the uh, the basics of <clears throat> lawyer talk, of lawyer, lawyer talk call, of, of legal advice on the blitz, first yeah. world problems. Uh, you know what I haven't heard in a while, <laughs> which may be telling. I used to say forever, 
when I was doing those call-ins, it was always, uh, you would always get a question about child support, child custody. We got that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you would always get a landlord tenant question. We got that. Mm-hmm. And you know what we used to always get that I'm not getting now? A car deal gone bad. Almost always I would get car deals gone bad. And I wonder if that reflects like the car market out there right now. There's just not too many car deals going on. Or it's difficult to, to use market as sort or of. Or that people are just taking the bumps. Yeah. Yeah. They're just They're like, you know I me. Mean? Well, I got something. I couldn't find anything else. I guess I get it fixed. Yeah. And it just is no longer, you yeah. mean, it, it's necessity now. Yeah. Right. Yep. So it's like, well, what, what was my option? And maybe that's it. I mean, there was, uh, it, but it just seemed forever. It was always like, well, I bought this car and I put it in my boyfriend's name and then my boyfriend was going to pay for it. Now we moved out. It was always oh. questions like that. And yes. I always tell people never buy a car in somebody else's name. Let me say it again. Never buy a car in somebody <laughs> else's name. Think about that sentence and never dissect it. Yeah. Don't co-sign on a loan. Oh, my buddy, no. he yeah. just needed some help. And I was going to, there's always like, I co-signed. So, and uh, he didn't pay. Now what do I do? And it's like, well, guess what you did? You just inserted yourself in the chain of collection command. Yes. And now, like when the bank can't collect against him or her, he's collecting against you. Just you just raised your hand. <laughs> right. Oh, I'll cover it. No big deal. Yeah. So your friend had some tough times, credit problems. You thought, nah, hell no. I got good credit. <laughs> now you owe 20 grand on a car loan to like buy here, pay here somewhere. And the interest is 15% or something. I mean, now your credit shit. Yeah. Now, now, now you're going. <laughs> Tell me how you feel, Britt. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, no, Not that I've been caught in that. I've never have, actually. But it's like, well, you hear those stories and it's like, what were you thinking? Yeah, it did, uh, well, love is a very powerful force. Yeah, the power of love. I mean, Huey Lewis, one of the great American poets of the 80s. <laughs> the power really? of love. <laughs> he's he's wow. a mathematician. He was a mathematician. He's got a PhD in mathematics. I I don't doubt it. Dude, yeah. a lot of these entertainers, comedians, are brilliant people. Yeah, yeah. they yeah. are. And it's crazy. Music and math are closely related. They always say. Well, <laughs> like true. I say, it's uh, the rantings of a madman or the lamentations of a genius. Yep. It's a very fine line. Well, we all know Huey Lewis. What he is, he's a genius. <laughs> Pure <laughs> it's the power of love. Anyway, so I don't even know how we got off on that. But the text, I mean, the, the, I got to talk about adoption. I mean, this this uh, warms my heart that somebody is out there providing foster care for needy kids and they want to adopt. Because every time you adopt a kid, that's a kid that's not getting uh, passed along into some, you know. This, this, it takes them out of the system. Out oh, of the system. Right. Yeah. yeah. And. If we, we know that system's just golden. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, this is back to that. Uh, let me go back to that. Brianna. What was right. that? The, the shooting. I, I got to tell you, that lawyer got on this. Got, I, I mean, we shouldn't even go back to this. But that lawyer got up there. The lawyer for the mother of the of the girl who lost her life in that incident gets and makes this public announcement that this is a, indicative of the failure of the institutions in in our system or something like that. And I'm just thinking to myself, are you kidding me? It's like, when did the institutions of the government sign up to raise your children? And it's, it's hardly fair to complain that they're not doing it well when you're not doing it yourself. So it's not that I'm unsympathetic, but come on. I mean, you've got to have, uh, you got to have responsibility. If you're going to raise a child then raise your child. So anyway, this, this, this uh, gal uh, calling for her daughter is raising foster children and uh, doing her best. So, I think uh, the best elector and adopt if you can. And well, and also children of addicts. 
my God. I know. What are you getting into? It's like, you know, it's such a shame. God bless her. That's for sure. It's such a shame. But it doesn't mean that you can't provide a good home for a child. I mean, it, right. it's, uh, you know, that's awesome. Now, what I, what I would hope here is that the adoption process will not be that difficult, is that there will be, there will be few impediments, but I fear the worst. Yeah, so Steve, I did look that up when you were on the Blitz. And there are some uh, exceptions um, to the normal adoption process in some states. Yeah, it just depends on the state. Uh, so if they're extenuating circumstances, like the child is from uh, an addicted parent or yeah. or abuse or something like that, there's a different track you that can you streamline can, it. Yeah, yeah, but it's not it's hit or miss depending on the state. Yeah, I mean, look, the government gets involved and and it requires rules and procedures and policies and practices. I mean, mm-hmm. you almost documentation. I know. It, mm-hmm. It's like you almost just want to say, just, just, just a, a let her do it. Let her adopt the kids. But right. I, you know, I get it because it's they, they want to check it out and they want to make sure that it's safe and whatever it is. But um, I well, heard, yeah, because there there might be nefarious people out there yeah, that that want to get kids like this just so they can you know sell them. you know hey trafficking is huge. People don't talk about it. Child trafficking is a huge problem in the world. Yes, it is. And it's huge here in the United States, and people just don't know about it. Yep. No, it, it happens. So anyway, uh, best of luck. I hope uh, I hope she's able to get the adoption. Jay Michael is yeah. the guy, you know. Um, he has uh, talked me through different adoption issues along the way. Um, turns out I was adopted, so I do have a special place in my heart for those who are want to raise children because it's not easy to do, even when they're your own, but let alone wanting to do it uh, in this situation. So best of luck. And then we had the mobile home oh, debacle. Dear. Oh dear. I got to tell you, and, and I feel so badly for this guy. This is like, we're, I don't know if we're, I think we we're off the air talking about it. It's like people make deals like this and their handshake deals. And how'd you put it, Jared? It's like, well, that deal's dead. It's like, that, <laughs> oh, that deal yeah. died with the guy. No, yeah. Well, yeah. it's just like uh Mad Max and road warrior. Oh, that was so, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When he had, yeah. uh, when he had the deal you with the gas that. with the guy, he, uh, he rescued and then they get back. The guy's dead. And he goes, whatever deal you had with him died with him. <laughs> But there is, it is an interesting concept. So there's something out there, and maybe the X-Checker can pull this up. If you type in statute of frauds, let our viewers see this. Yeah. Um, the statute of frauds, this goes way back to like old common law times. And basically what it means oh, is- Oh, yeah. Now we're going back to common law with Stevie. That's right. <laughs> it means that certain contracts have to be in writing. And the idea is you want to be able to document and get on paper so it's indisputable what the agreement is, what the terms are. And uh, it goes back to what's that say? Fifth. I can't see a date there. I don't know my glasses on anyway. Um, Statue of Frauds, uh, blah, blah, blah. Let's see. Key takeaways. I don't know. The, the key takeaways are this. Now in the modern application of Statue of Frauds, if any agreement's going to last more than a year and a day, you got to have it in writing. There you go. Uh, mm-hmm. And if it involves real estate, then uh, it's got to be in writing. And, and you know, just uh, real estate transactions in the Western uh, <clears throat> legal system. Oh, here's the history. I like it. Uh, Prevention of fraud, 1677. There you go, English Parliament. So you've got this idea that real estate uh, follows the estate, it follows the person. So the idea, you know, you want this stuff recorded. And even going way back to medieval times, you had manor roles and uh, you could follow people's possessory interests in, um, in real estate. And that's sort of a history of, or that's a tradition in our history of, of Western legal. Uh, jurisprudence, you have this idea that land, uh, you can own it and or you can possess it. You can even do both at the same time. 
uh, and you can divide up possession and you can divide up ownership. So you could have a deed with your name on it, but then you, I could rent it to Jared or I could rent it to the exchequer, which we've been talking about doing. Yeah. And that means I own it, but you possess it. That's a, that's a unique thing. It hasn't always, you know, it's like we take that for granted, but you can do it. I can own a thing. I can own a car and, uh, you can possess it. Motorcycle. So, motorcycle. And you can possess oh, yeah. it. Right. Yeah. So this is why these, uh, that's the idea of it. And then it, it helps resolve disputes. If it's not in writing, then, uh, you can't enforce the terms of the contract. It doesn't mean, however, that you're SOL because then people have heard me before talk about this concept called equity where the king would come around, he would ride, uh, the king would ride itinerant. In other words, he would go around his kingdom and provide equity. And the old saying is, he who wants equity from the king better come with clean hands, meaning the, the equity is, all right, so the agreement can't be enforced as written, but it's just not fair to let this guy take my motor home and sell it just because the agreement's not in writing. He was unjustly enriched, perhaps. So so he got something that he shouldn't have gotten, and now we need equity. We need to equalize that. The king needs to come around with his justices. Henry II was a guy that was famous for this, uh, 1189, I believe. But anyway, he he would come around, and uh, he would say, I'm going to fix this for you, people. Uh, you owe him X dollars and you've got to do the, you got to give him chickens or whatever you got to do. You got to make it right somehow. And he would make it right. And so shall it be done. I hereby ordain it. And then off he would go to the next, uh, manner to, to do justice like that. And, uh, so two things just real quick. So one, that's the government getting involved. Yes. That's crazy. All the way back then on a horseback, somebody has to come around and tell us, how this can be equitable, but this is, we can't figure it out for ourselves. Well, no, no, no. This is, I, I think this is one of the things that it's, it's such an interesting tug and or push and pull because you have, you need the government to enforce what we know to be natural law. Like you can go all the way back to like, like to be an arbiter of natural law. Yeah. And natural law becomes codified and you like, we need the government to keep the, the order of affairs in place. Right. So we don't have a boss hog that just takes over every holler. Correct. Unjustly. Gotcha. Okay. So the government is there to enforce the laws, not to do, I mean, look, this has been, they've driven a truck through it over the years, but yeah, you need the government to enforce the laws. Now this notion of the King's justice, I think, in fact, I wrote a paper on this one time that it, it sort of reflects a little bit of our federalism uh, system here in the United States. We have the federal government, which under the supremacy clause of the United States Constitution ultimately is the law of the land and U.S. Supreme Court provides a law of the land and they can provide justice when needed. When things are not going well at the local level, when things are unjust at the local level, you go to the courts and then ultimately you can go to the king or the analogy would be to the federal government and get your relief there. And one thing that I deal with, I don't want to say routinely, but one thing in my line of work is called habeas corpus which is a, which is a, it means have the body, bring the body to the king because uh, it's something has been wrong. This gentleman has been wrongfully convicted of a crime. It's unfair. Bring us the body. So bring the body, bring the guy to the king and I'm going to adjudicate it. We still have federal habeas corpus and even state habeas corpus to this day. And you go say you've got a bad conviction. Um, a lot, in fact, a lot of these exonerations you see uh, later on, like on TV or, or, Dateline or whatever. Some of those are, are habeas corpus exonerations where things have been so unfair and corrupt at the state court level. 
you go to the federal courts and you have uh, habeas corpus. Now, then comes along back in, I think, the 90s, the Federal Anti-Terrorism and Death Penalty Act, which severely limited the jurisdiction of habeas corpus. But it still exists. And, you know, I had a case that went up on habeas just recently, and I did not get relief. I think the judge was categorically wrong. But, you know, who am I to say that? I'm always right. So, <laughs> and I, But I do believe the judge was wrong. Anyway, the, the idea of habeas corpus is uh, it's, it's that extension of King's justice to fix things when they're unfair. And back to this, uh, to Chad, I believe his name was in the mobile home. If he's looking for justice now, it's going to be the King's justice. It's going to be equity. If this guy took his stuff and shouldn't have destroyed his property and shouldn't have, maybe he can get some relief uh, in the equity courts or, or outside the contract. But what's the moral of the story? Write it down, man. Don't buy a car with your friend. Don't don't engage. Don't have a handshake lease deal unless you fully expect to uh, lose that deal when the when somebody moves on. I mean, that's just the bottom line. It's not like he just wanted that mobile home off his property, right? Yeah. Ultimately, because they destroyed it like but within then, an hour. But I don't understand why he said that they tried to get it off like he did remove it. Yeah. But it, the tire went flat. So it's sitting on a field. So I don't know if it was sitting on his field. My guess so, is. No, my I guess is that I'm guessing they don't, he didn't own any of the field <clears throat> or anything like that. Yeah. My guess is that the guy was deeded or gifted had the title for the, the mobile the trail. Mobile, yeah, the trailer, yeah, yeah. Right. Not the lot. Not the lot. Correct. And he probably got to get out, get this thing removed by X date order. Yeah. Because he didn't have a signed lease agreement mm-hmm. with, the, with the guy's dad. Yeah. And he, for so one you reason, been paying rent then, here for years. And then the lawful owner, the son, came along. Get and, that eyesore And he said, listen, here. you've been sitting here for this long. You owe me this in rent. Yeah. Now that might not have been proper. No, that might not have been. Well, because if you allow somebody, there's going to be something. If you allow them to live there for free for years, and there were never payments and never a a, a try of eviction, or you know, I mean, right. so you can see that there was by paper and by numbers that you know anybody can kind of figure out there must have been a deal because this the old man took you know took rent once a month. Everybody came up there, dropped it in the box. They never dropped one in the box. And so there was acknowledgement there. And the old man never said, hey, where's my rent? Sent him a notice. Called yeah. the sheriff. Right. So right. so it's like, so evidently there was something there. But now the new owner can be like this. Yeah. We're done with that. Yeah. Sure. New deal. Now, yeah. you know I mean? Then his fight would have been saying, okay, I will start paying. You know, or even he, 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 he had, probably wouldn't even have to say that. The guy could have just written up a contract and sent it to him and said, you got to pay me rent. And, and the guy said no. But then again, and you, then it accrues without you knowing, because that guy put that in there, and he's the new owner of the land. Well, what I'm guessing is there was an initial renter's agreement for the trailer to be there, and it was never modified in writing. Yes, it was right, just right. like, look, yeah, man, that's what I'm saying. I know you're, yeah. I know you're, you're running the weed eater. I know you're taking care of things around here. I know you're fixing stuff when it goes bad, and uh, don't worry about rent. It was never written down, so. You know, the new owner rolls into town and he says, wait a minute, why are you living here for free? Right. Well, your dad said I could. I don't recall dad saying that. Yeah. Well, whatever deal or, you had with him. Or, you know, who, who knows? He came by and saw dad and he was like, you always take care of those stray cats, dad. Yeah. I mean, they do a half-assed mm-hmm. job. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He, right. he might not. I mean, there could have been something there where he wasn't a big fan of his dad letting these people live there for free. Not at all. Or whatever. Well, the dad he was had like, a big heart. Yep. yep, and he was like this. I, my dad had a big heart. Yeah, I, I don't. don't. I right. don't. And that's you know, it, it's a it's a sad story. It's also a pretty common one, I think. Very it common. is. And yes, 
I guess the moral of it is if you're in an agreement like that out there, if you've got this deal where so-and-so just lets me live here because uh, I, you know, I take care of stuff, well, get it in writing. I know you trust so-and-so, but when his son comes along or daughter or he sells, then what? So I have, for instance, uh, tenants in my building. Those are all written leases. Almost all the, actually all the tenants are my friends, people I knew before I have the building. And it was really awkward for me to go and say, hey, man, here's the deals of this lease and down to like, you can't use the dumpster for this and you can't. And, and then I'm trying to say on the side, look, if you need a dumpster key, just kind of ask me. But it, it, like it, that, you've got to have that stuff written down because say they assign their lease to somebody else and I don't have a clause that says they can't do that. Now I'm dealing with yep. somebody else or vice versa. Say I sell the building and then the new owner comes in and says, you're out. And, you, and you'd be like, no, I got a lease here that says I well, can. Did that happen to me? I ran a house when I first moved to Indiana awesome house a contractor dude bought like a a half finish and then he finished it mm -hmm. you know bought it on the cheap finish it was sweet and uh i get a letter one day yeah hey you gotta be out in 30 days i just sold it yep and you know I, the the rental agreement obviously i didn't read it because i needed a house because i was moved to indiana and uh then i had no recourse gotta go gotta go you know the yeah. ex at the time was like this is bold i said hey it's his house they can do it, right? And they can so, do it. It was like, yeah, I wish he would have given me the right to purchase it, but he got a great deal, got a freaking ton of money, and he's, you know, you're you got, out. You got 30 days. Yeah, it sorry. Been it could have been one. Could have been one, yeah. So yeah. now, that, yeah. which brings up another point. Let's say you're living at a place and the lease expires. Now you're, now you're rolling without a lease. Now, there might be a reason you like that. There might be a reason the landlord likes that. There might be a reason you both like it. But you have to understand how that works then. Generally in the courts of equity, in other words, outside the contract, outside the written agreement, it defaults. And now by statute, I think in Ohio, it defaults to the last term of the lease, except it's month to month. So whatever the terms and conditions okay. were, now it's month to month. And, well, um, that makes sense, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. yeah. That's for everybody, I, that's I mean, in my in yeah. my uh, my store, sure. yeah, now month to month because COVID was you know it was craziness. A lot of people was like, we can't pay our rent. I told them I was like, I can pay mine, but my lease was up. Yep, and I was like, I would just like to continue on where we're at on a month to month agreement. Yeah, perfect, month nice month. flexibility for you. Yeah. And they were like, yeah, yeah, we're fine with that. And now Good. there's a downside. They could say, look, guess what? Yeah. We got uh, Marco's Pizza is going to expand and uh, whatever's next to you. They're going to expand and is it Marco's? Little Caesars. Little Caesars. So, but I do, have a, I do have a new wing stop. Ooh. <clears throat> and I'm, I'm going to have to tell you the business at Wingstop has been busy in Westerville. Oh, yeah. Well, it's like everybody's in pickup land these days. That's, that's yeah. Really yeah that's a that. great pickup food. Yeah. yeah. It is. I've never had it. They're kicking the crap out I've of uh, uh, three or B dubs. B dubs is junk now. BW3s. I've never they really went downhill. It's like I've never been a big wing fan. I've never. I, oh, I used to love their wings. Oh. The original B Dubs was right down yeah. here, right in, yeah. right, right, right on the Ohio State campus. Yeah. There, what was that? At? What was that intersection? I'm trying to remember what it was. It was a boy. It, it was wood crickle sideways floors where yeah. you kind of walked oh, yeah, in. Yeah. Yeah. It was. I mean, it was actually two, really. And then they had two locations. Yeah, yeah two. Right. Yep. Like one and one in that little shopping center had two stories. Yeah. And one down the road. Yep, from right yeah. down the road from each other. They were exactly. close because yeah. the one was smaller. The one was a little bit bigger there. Yep. And then they expanded. My buddy actually bought two or three of those out in in uh, Colorado. He graduated law school early, went out to Colorado, bought uh, a BW threes, bought another and another, and then sold out. But yeah, they they you know they were the they were the top dog for a while. 
you know, and everything is, I've seen, you know, we, we're looking at the reopening, you know, of, of our society and uh, you go different places and you see different things, you know, and I took, I had a meeting with the staff and we took them bowling, you know, we went to the lanes there and uh, are people going to accept paying more and shittier service? Nope. No, I think I think well right now. Right I think, now they right, will. Right now, short will. term, yes. Long term, hell no. Because we get up Damn. there and we had the meeting and we go and and we could only rent one hour because whenever we were done, it'd been like ten thirty and they close at eleven. And we go up there and there's two, you know, like set of couches and there's a group of people that they nobody was using the one lane that we're in the lane now. So you got to kind of it's kind of awkward, like because they're using the couches and mm-hmm. you know it's it's really nice setup there, Star Lanes, and. uh so this, they leave, we're doing our games. Now we've got kind of an empty lane. And then right as soon as they left, I saw on the screen lane, you know, 13, we were 14, uh, two players. And I looked down and there's all these drinks and pitcher of water. There's just this big mess, right? And I say, look over at Derek. He's my manager of work for me. I said, look at that. I said, they're about to send a couple of people over here. I said, see those people putting on their shoes? And there's numbers of people. You've seen screens popping up. I was like, look at that mess. Like, and then I felt bad. Like, I wanted to be like, when they show up, like, that, that's not ours. <laughs> we didn't do that. That was there. That was the people before. You know what I mean? Because, but we've got enough stuff over here, right? And then in the back, there's this table. Where we ordered food, but long story short there is that so it, it sat there. These people are like ordered their drinks and the girl comes and puts the drinks right into the mess. <laughs> right. And I was like this, you know, even though it's like, you know, they got sanitizing wipes yeah. and signs to keep distance. Well, there was like no distancing going on. There were packed, there were, there were kids playing. And so now you've got all this dirty mess. And I was like, before you send somebody to the, to that, to, to the lane, shouldn't have there been some sort it's of inspection? Bus, I just, mean, just, just a busing it, but then still yeah. too, they were like, you know, where some places the employees still got to wear masks and they got to wipe. There was nothing. The basics. So, of our retail society have been shattered. Well, yeah. so then we order food and uh, it shows up on the back there. We kind of go over there and I, the cauliflower pizza. We'll see uh, it really probably is full of carbs. And, but anyhow, as we start to eat, I look around and I'm like, okay, there's no napkins. Right. Yeah. Right. And there's no service. And so we all got like Nothing. greasy fingers yeah. and bowling. So I go into the bathroom I'm going to get some paper towels. Well, the one box, like with paper towel, it was empty, but I seen this like partial roll. So I grab the whole roll. But when I walk back, I see a couple other groups of tables eating food. And I'm like, they don't have napkins no. either. Did you start serving them? And no, no, <laughs> I, I went straight to ours there and, 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 and had the towel. And then finally the couple got somebody else over. And then they were like, well, how long were you here? How long have you been here? Asking them who's met. They're like, this isn't our mess. And I was like, it wasn't our mess. And I just was looking at it and I was like, oh man. And we, I, I've taken the staff there multiple times before, like after the meeting, go bowl some games. Mm-hmm. It was the same as when I went to Ted's. Uh, now I'll, I'll give full strength to my, my ghost rider in, in, in Johnstown, but they're keeping up. They're keeping up, but it's just, and the people that are there are overworked. Uh, right. Think about it. A package of ketchup, Used to be like whenever I was buying them, I think it was like seven or eight cents for a package of ketchup. Could you know how much a package of ketchup is selling for right now? Forty-five mm-hmm. 
cents. You know how really? much a, a stick of two by four lumber is selling for? Yeah, well, oh, I mean, uh, well eleven to thirteen dollars. They're squeezing our supply lines, guys. Yeah. Well, so, just saying. So, but you know, I mean, so now and then you've also got to where without raising minimum wage to fifteen dollars an hour, don't worry about it. People need to get people in. They need to get some kind of qualified people in, and people are paying high. You know, employment rates have gone up. People so, are paying more. And they're losing. What's going to happen right, is this. Right. They're going to raise. I, I just read an article on this. Now, it's funny, though, because McDonald's, I just read an article. They are now exploring in Chicago, I think, like six or seven places that yep. have automated drive through service. So that's where it's going. I, mean, I don't know if it's like the, the old push button vending machines or how it's going to work. They're I mean, getting like rid of us, guys. So you just it's like you don't it's all computerized. And it's because they're, they're saying it's a response to the minimum wage. And I think the other thing that's going to happen, mm-hmm. what scares me the most about your story is this. It's like to get people back to work, you're going to have to beat unemployment rates and, and, and then some. I can do nothing and make $11 an hour. You know, it's like you, you can do nothing for $11 an hour or maybe do some. Yeah, but all that stuff isn't forever. That, that will shake out because you only have. Employment. That will shake out, but the the the, the topper is, is that cheese is through the roof. I, I know. say forty four cents for a package of ketchup. Um, no, I know. And here's the thing: after a pandemic, all this stuff should have been stockpiled or something. No, man, we're getting squeezed. Our supply lines, and it started last year, and it's ramped up ever since they quote started opening up or whatever the crap or the freaking stuff in the well, canal. The thing was is, going on. What what makes this scary is is that. Here, here, these kind of political things. So we're going to raise minimum wage to 15 bucks an hour. And the problem is most politicians aren't in office long enough to feel the real adverse consequences of that. So what's going to happen is people are all going to go back to work and they're going to be making uh, whatever because the market is demanding. The market. And then they're going to say, see, minimum wage works. Here we go. Minimum wage works. It's $15 an hour and it works. Everybody's going back to work for this minimum wage. And what's going to happen is inflation is going to go crazy. The economy is going to tank and here we are was stuck with a $15 an hour minimum wage and unemployment is going to go through the roof again. So it it just is, uh, it's it's just a bad, you know I mean? I guess areas are going through with the minimum wage going up, but I don't, I don't really see the need or the press for it. I don't, I don't, I I haven't heard much. Because I'm out of step on, on minimum wage, but I had heard that the price point per hour was where it is now was actually where it was at pre COVID. So, yeah. so we're not – it's naturally there already. We don't need to dictate it. Minimum, mm-hmm. wage, minimum wage is a disaster. It so is. 14, 15 was already the there pre, you know, beginning mm-hmm. of 2020. The problem now is so, we have inflation. And, right. And what's going to happen is – and you can feel inflation either directly or indirectly through things like cost of gas. So, you, you know – Mortgage rates. Your, things are going to start happening where it's going to cost more for a packet of ketchup, so they're going to have to charge you more for the burger. Yep. And it costs yep. more for – And you want to know what prices have gone up on to-go packaging. Yeah. 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 Especially during the crisis. You had talked whenever, about that whenever, early yeah, on. Because people were going through it. If you notice that most places had nicer stuff mm-hmm. because all the cheap styrofoam sea folds are, yep. are, are gone. Yep. Yeah, I mean, there's the shell containers. They couldn't get them, yep. couldn't keep up right. with them. So you had to go, and then the marketing kind of pushed to that, which don't forget, that's all made out of petroleum. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and all yeah. comes from the oil and gas industry, yeah. folks. Yep. Yeah, working with a, a roofer client of mine, he was talking about that it shingles, yeah, going up just a little bit, but it's the other stuff. They're going oil and gas. Yeah. a box of nails. Yes. Yeah. Typically yep. run in 11, 40 bucks. Yep. And, and that's just a supply problem. Dude, and, two by four stick of lumber is going for 
10, 12 bucks. Right. It should be a buck 89. I, I picked up, was it six footers at Lowe's? I had them 70% off, but they're yeah. junk. But they're you, junk. Could, you could, you could bit pieces junk. out of it. I picked up five or six of them for three bucks for a six footer. Yeah, and, it's awful. And now they're starting to sell. Have you seen? I saw they're selling cutoffs. They're selling like little two foot yeah. mm-hmm. blocks. Awful. Yeah. For 279 or 289. <laughs> I was like, I couldn't believe it. It's no. like the freaking depression. We did some work down here it's, at the studio. And uh, I, don't, I don't know what made me do this. You know, I know I actually I do. I had my boys with me and uh, I was doing some work and we were cleaning up down here. And there's a bunch of two by fours that we had to, from a couple walls we took down. And I said, here, boys, I got a job for you. And I made them pull all the nails, um, clean them all up, take the screws out and stack them. Ne- and sta- And so I'm sitting on like a gold mine in the other room and I got mm-hmm. like 15 yeah. two by fours. And, and I'm talking like old, yeah. old school 80s and, and, two by and fours. I, and I forgot why I stockpiled this stuff. It's my dad. My, I mean, mm-hmm. dad used to keep boards all the time. Oh and that was, I, that was not I necessarily a price thing. I, it was, I, they I just didn't, them. he didn't want to have to drive into town yeah. 13 miles away to go pick up something. Yeah. I'm yeah. thinking, okay, dad, my dad would come to your house and he'd be like this. Well, you got two by fours and plywood, right? I mean, like it should just like you should just you have, should have that it. laying that's around. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that should be just general stuff you, you have just laying around, and yeah. which I do. So, right, you know yeah. what I mean, and and I I use them, you know, what I mean for for whatever I need, Damn. you know, yeah. shelves or this or that, right? Other. But yeah, no, we're in a we're in a brave new world here where there, people are like back to your question, how long are we going to tolerate this service? I don't know. That we're going to have a choice, and and what's going to happen is the cost of stuff is going to get so high that people will just not go out. I mean, right. it's like you yeah. can't. Like, how's it going to work? Like, if you just, if everybody wants to say or look at only a part of the economic system, and it's just like this huge conglomerate of stuff that depends on each other, and it just has to work that way. And if you're, if you're paying 50 cents a pack for ketchup and you're used to paying seven, well, you can't just say, hey, I'm going to take less because you can't stay, keep the doors open. Right. Right. Well, and, and I think the service piece of it, turn it around. If you own a business, do the best that you can and you will. You might. Do, I mean, you're going to shine. It's going to be short the term. It's short be the term people will, will put up with this, but I'm telling you, long term. No, we won't. No, there's no way. I will well, because I, I do that. For me as a business, I will not put up. For, especially with, with inflated prices. There's no way people are going to pay now. 50 bucks to go out no. and have crappy service. Here's no. the thing. We had it good in our country because I've traveled to Europe and I've traveled oh, yeah. overseas. And I've been to places where it's crap. I've been to places People where get quality it. control is sure. doesn't exist. And now I understand why it doesn't exist because the government intervention that screws it all up makes it impossible to provide and you don't have a choice. The market can't correct it. So you're saying you can flourish in the short term by providing a service that's better, but you can only do that so long before you're losing money too. Yep. And well, it, and I meant service wise, the cost you can't control, but it, it do well, better a, do better service. That's what I mean. But to yeah. get better service, you have to pay better people, that's and to true. pay better people, you have to pay more. And there's only that's a scarce true. commodity. True. Labor is a scarce, like everything else, scarcity yeah. exists. That's true. And if it, eventually you just throw up your hands and say, you know what, I don't have to compete because everybody sucks. Well, and, where where we're at, and and the calling that I, I think is about the right number. They say that continuing on in the restaurant industry, restaurant bars. The ones that do finally reopen, twenty five percent we will lose. Not not counting what we've already lost. Yep, they're they're counting. They're calling for another twenty five percent loss in, in in bars and restaurants. How could you because, open a, be- a restaurant? Those, right those now? People, How could you do it? Those yeah. people don't know they've lost already. Yeah, they've, they've yeah. been hemorrhaging and bleeding, and they're just yeah. trying to get there. Yeah. And eventually, it just all runs out, and you can't 
you can't keep the doors open. Yeah, and, yep. and expect walking into those restaurants can be yeah. fewer wait staff uh, from yeah, what I've heard because like, they they got they got right. to work their butt off and they're you're if they usually had ten people in there they'll have five. How could you and and, yeah. and, and like even the build out like if you're going to go start a restaurant like that the cost of that is insane. So yeah, now your lease oh, is going up and and it's yeah. like nobody we've had people in here debating this stuff with us on these socialist ideas and it's like you don't get it man it's like there's so much that goes into even the to get the doors to the point where you can even open them for uh contractors to come in and do work like there's so many things that have to happen so many things that have to fall in place the cost uh the the labor uh everything you have to do to get a restaurant open or a business open is getting choked right now and imagine trying to get your inspections lined up with your contractors. You can't right get a now. contractor. Yeah, you can't. You, you, right now, if you try to build a new build out, oh, shoot, dang. I bet you two years. Yeah, I'll get you in November, Jeez. December. Mm-hmm. Or I, would, I would guess. I would guess literally two years. So then you have to See, pay more. See, it's a more. crack of 2022. Now, who can afford to pay more? <laughs> the big boys. So that's what's yeah, happening. Amazon, so like, so they, Amazon too, they, they yep. love this because they've got enough in the tank. I'm not talking margins on day-to-day well, sales, but they got enough in the tank where they can throw dollars at you, this and take oh, over. Oh, if yeah. you look big picture, what has this all done? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's it's right. It's going all towards basically fascist capitalism, which is what happened in Germany, which is what happened everywhere else. Well, it's China. Brazil. It's, 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 look it's, what happened in Brazil. It's what's going on. You take away the small guys, and all you're left with is crappier service with giant companies. And so that's the one it. And entity. robots. Well, and, and that's what's coming. And the one and that's what's coming. As a, as, a, as a child, I mean, I'm talking a young kid, probably 10, 11 years old, whatever. I was always scared of robots. And I don't know why. I think it was because of people that, you know, mean family. People, it's because you saw Terminator. Know. No, no I, it wasn't that style of robot was not my fear. My fear were the robots that were in the automotive industry. Yeah, that's that's where I got the original scare. Whenever I saw that, how it could go down an assembly line and it can manufacture and paint. I was like, oh, my God. I was like, that's hundreds of people's jobs. And then you saw Terminator. No, Terminator. Those robots never bothered me. And then we're like. Those like, are the robots that killed like, Terminator, like, though. Like down to, <laughs> you know, I mean, I remember because I, I, every time I see like different vending machines, they're robots. And I've seen these machines that make pizza. Computers. Oh, God. That's you because I mean? you saw. Um, what was that? No, it's no movies. That one movie. I'm seeing Maximum real- Overdrive. <laughs> I did see that one, though. <laughs> Great I soundtrack. forgot about that one. <laughs> well, here's the scary part. The one entity, the one business, the one conglomerate that can afford the $15 an hour, the government, because they don't care. It's your money. It's your tax money, not their money. So it's easy to tell every government worker you're going to make X dollars. In fact, let's make it 50 an hour for government workers because they don't care. It's not their money. They don't have to worry about the bottom line because they get funded no matter what. And how do they get funded? Well, just pass a bill, borrow money, print money we don't have, and they keep getting funded. So it's like a, if you're – the government's the government is easy. It's easy for them to say pay 15 bucks an hour, pay this, pay that, because they don't have to worry about it, it coming out of their own pockets and their own margins. Like that bowling alley, they can't afford that. They can't afford to put workers there, and they couldn't well, get them if they the could. That was the thing that, that right. they – I mean, they've been closed. They're a bowling alley. Everybody touches right. everything. So they have been closed – and that's it. It was full. And they had like one, two, three, four, I think it kind of was like six or seven people working. And there were probably, let's say there was, I think it was like 20 lanes and a minimum of, I would say if we could do an average of five people per lane, 
and it was road because there were six of us. There was 10 next. There was, you know, I mean, there were, it was large groups. There was, you know, well over a hundred some people in there. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and it's a big building too. So it's all stretched out. They got arcade games over here and they've got a bar over here and they've got, so these people, you know, I mean, and they had one, like literally one server who was running back and forth and trying to take care of this whole thing. It's impossible. Well, it was, think about it and think yeah. about what happened to them last year. And people think, oh, you just shut it down, whatever. You're not paying anything. No, you're still paying costs, ching, people. Ching, you're still ching, paying insurance. Ching, you're ching, still paying maintenance. Yeah. You're still paying to, to yeah. wax the floors so they don't warp. Well, even with Dwight, so you actually agree. have a product when it comes back. Yeah. Yeah, and then when it comes yeah. back, man, you're on fumes. They're on freaking yeah. fumes. Yeah, and, oh, and yeah. even with Dewine giving a green light at a certain date, that's still not enough time to ramp up to hire no. people, no, to train people. No, plus they had to clean or, everything, and you they don't know what's going to happen. And you don't. No. Though you, you don't. probably could predict it, it was going to. Everybody wants to go out and go do something. Yeah, but it's still you're imagining it. <laughs> the <laughs> there, problem, there's no yeah. facts it to is. that. There's the, no facts. Right. The the problem though is you can't just. Imp- employ 15 people today and thinking, drop of a hat and next week i'm going to be busy right and and you know jared just being around you and hearing about the restaurant business it seems like that's the perfect storm because in order to service a certain number of people uh at different times you have to have a certain number of staff that exceeds those number of people because mm-hmm. to cover your busy times versus your down times yes. mm-hmm. and, and then you have to order food to cover the busy times and then if you don't get the busy times your food's going out it's like it's a it's a delicate balance of management and decision-making. And if you don't have the labor and you don't have uh, any idea based on history or this, this complete unknown out there that you're going to get customers in, like, what do you do? I, I well, that was, you know, I had, a, had a staff meeting and uh, we haven't had one like official kind of one in a, since COVID really. And we would go meet up, have meetings, go over things, sales, this and that, and then take them out. We did that more often, but then for a while, everything was closed up and, mm-hmm. and, and it was all this. And it was first time, so I, and I didn't exactly know where I was going because I only had a, a, a few small points of business to really talk about. Yeah. And we, everybody shows up because it was closing, so not everybody was working, everybody gets there. And as we're standing around, I kind of started looking and I realized something. I used to have seating areas, but then remember, we weren't allowed to have seating areas. Yeah. And so I removed chairs and I put in my sanitation station you know what I mean? The stainless steel lift top with the wipes and the mask and the gloves and then everything there and the steamer moved another. So now I only have these. And so I've had to separate all my chairs. So now I've got two. And what's funny is that normally I'll stand up in the front and the staff will all sit down because we had seats for everybody. And now we're in there and I was like this, we got two. I, I kind of said, I was like, well, we've only got two seats. So now they were kind of standing up there and I was like, anybody can sit down. If you want to sit down, they were really sitting on some counters and stuff like that. But I was like, there's only two out here. So I ended up kind of sitting Well, I talk and walk and sit and go through things. And uh, I had to talk about how much has changed in this year. We used to have samples where people could try out the flavors to run through. That's gone. And just so the customers know it's gone for good. And, but we talked about how different it is to sell now. Because before they could try the product, you know, I mean, get your, you know, I mean, get your sample to figure out what they like. Mm-hmm. Now you're going to have to just take a guess that you're going to like this $24 bottle. Mm. And so that comes down to the sales and working amongst them. And I said, so, and, and you remember some of them, I mean, they're in their early twenties <clears throat> employees. I said, so if you ever wanted to live through something, if you ever wanted to be a part of history, 
Here it is. You done did it. Yeah. I said, because this will is history. Mm-hmm. This will be taught. And you just lived through something. Yep. I said, we're all here. Tell your grandkids. We have all made it. I, and I remember Ashley, she kind of, I remember she looked back. She's like, oh my God. She's like, I never thought about that. She's like, this like is something. I was like, yeah. You don't you're, while you're through it. I was yeah, like, you I, don't, though. You don't yeah. get to pick it, but uh, this is, this is the, you know, you, you uh, when you're old, you'll be like, you say you lived through this. You were here. Well, this is going to be taught and pushed forward. I said, and how it's going to be taught. And how it's going to be reported? That's right. That's yeah. just that's just still up. Right. That's good still news up is, for debate. All they have to do is check out lawyer talk. They get a perfect timeline, accurate through right. exactly. primary source <laughs> of this history. Yeah, this is your depression. This is your world war. This, this is your this, you uh, pick it. Yep, yeah. I said if you ever want and, and, because it had death. It had, yeah. I mean, it's not even quite, here yet, boys. Quite frankly, and, yeah, and bad and days aren't even here yet. Yeah. Speaking of history, we have been covering. Uh, this date in history. So usually I would try to do the exact date, but you know, this week was one of the most uh, significant events of all time. So significant that the president of the United States didn't comment on it. Now I, I have yeah, the reason why we had a plenty is because of what Steve is going to talk about. But the whole thing about Biden not talking about it. And one thing I didn't notice is that why didn't he tweet about it? And then I started thinking about about, about, about about the about the tweet, Twitter twat. And I was like, I remember when that came out and I had my restaurant and I was like, oh, my God, people can subscribe to this. And easily every day we can give them our specials. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was like, this is great. I remember my partners at the time were like, Jared, that's stupid. Nobody uses that. Everybody uses Facebook. It's Facebook, Facebook. I was like, no, I'm telling you, this thing's even better. And we see Quaker. what now it has become. And then, you know, so you look at that and it does give you an easy access to anybody that wants to hear you. You can reach millions of people immediately and get your word out. Do politicians really need to be judged or asked about their fucking tweets? Apparently the last one had to be. I mean, but, you know, I mean, it just and all the politicians use it. Mm-hmm. And I understand mm-hmm. the platform. It's there to get your word out and get things out. And it's just, but it's such a, why didn't he tweet this? And I, and to me, it was like, well, why would they ask him why didn't he tweet it? Why didn't they say that? Why didn't he just come out and, 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 and go well, to the unknown soldier or something? Or, you know what I mean? And, right. And I think, it, to, I, I thought a lot about this. Did I really care that the president of the United States is acknowledging D-Day, which is what we're talking about, or not? And the answer is, I don't really care. I don't really care either. I, I don't. Um, now, if you're against that president, you're going to make a big deal out of it. If you're on, in favor of that president, you're going to say you're going to find some justification for it. But it, it doesn't really matter to me, except for this. If you're the president and you're going to take the time to acknowledge other things, then the absence of this one becomes important. So I don't think that the president of the United States, uh, I, I don't take my cues. I've said this a thousand times from the morality of our president. In fact, I, I, it, to me, that he's, he's the president or it doesn't make any difference to me. Um, but to the extent that you're highlighting some things and not others, that's where the problem is. It's it's like it's what is left out that you would think, well, this is the, one of those kind of things that he has acknowledged for months and months and months. Why wouldn't you acknowledge this? Every other president has. So to me, it could be that they just forgot. Now, how does his staff forget about D-Day? I don't know. I didn't. 
Um, you know, and the people who died there didn't. They're not saying they forgot, are, are they? No, but what happened? You know, it's like, because yeah. back to your point, how hard is it for whoever's got Biden's Twitter feed yes. to say kudos to the men and women who contributed to the D-Day forces and on June, uh, June 6th, 19, or June 6th, 1944. It's like, why, why wouldn't you, uh, why wouldn't you just say something? Because they don't want to give any credit. To and it. it's gotta be so, but that's the thing. You're leaving room for an argument that you don't care. Now, I don't think it's true to say that Biden doesn't care about D-Day. I don't. Now, do his handlers, because I think that he might be in a, in a realm where he needs handlers. Yes. But do his handlers, are, are they trying to make a point like we hate our country and Western civilization? Are they well, that one representative point? was aghast seeing all of the American flags on D-Day on the, at yeah. the memorial. And there's a lot of people. She was aghast. There's a lot of what? people that hate the country. And they what? hit the flag. It's a, it's a, we're going to get to the flag in a second. But let's talk about D-Day. So what we've been doing is we've been going back in time. And this is all stems. I'm not going to take full credit for this. When I was back in, uh, in the mid-late 90s, the, I used to read the Columbus Dispatch. And they always had this, this day in history or 50 years ago today. And it just so happened that 50 years ago today, it was always World War II history. And I, am, I, I, I love World War II history. So I'd always read it. And I thought, well, I can't say 50 years ago because it's a lot longer. But we can just look and say what was going on in World War II around about this week and the D-Day invasion had happened. Now, a lot of people have covered D-Day and there's a, you know, we could say what happened. Like we could talk about the invasion. We could talk about the, the subterfuge that went into the planning. We could talk about all sorts of things, but as we kicked it around this morning, there was this battle that occurred in the midst of the D-Day invasion where the newly formed commanders or commandos, the army Rangers uh, were tasked with the almost impossible job of climbing a, cliff on the beaches under fire and and by climbing i mean like grappling hook climbing and ropes and ropes and uh with their gear on their back that is their guns their ammo their grenades whatever they needed is to fight the germans and then take a german 88 uh cannon that was uh, that was uh in, placed up there in a big concrete embankment with other reinforcements because that was thought to it was going to wreak havoc on our Navy and the other ships. Uh, we wanted that. That was a strategic point for all sorts of reasons. So it was point to Hawk where they climbed the cliffs. Uh, in about a hundred feet. About a hundred feet. Get a picture of that. We had a picture of the rope ladder. They, they oh, well. sort of threw up there, but the idea is this up for everybody. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Here it is. So the idea what they climbed up and they're being machine gunned. Put your mouse up there on that where it is. So it's right, like right there. So this whole beach right here. Look at that. They were getting fire from both sides, but mainly from this side. So I think this was in between a Omaha Beach and what was that other one? Not gold. Uh, Omaha Juno Sword and uh, the other one. <laughs> the other famous thing? one. Uh, I'll get to it. Uh, the, there was a death trap. Um, yeah. Right here. Utah. Utah. Sorry. Utah. So Point of Hawk is right here nearer to Omaha. Actually, Point of Hawk was their secondary landing because they couldn't get into Omaha because yeah. the fire was so great. Omaha, not open. Yeah. So they climb the cliffs at Point of Hawk with the goal of taking out the 88, the caliber gun that was uh, placed up there. And there, which was, yeah, they had all sorts of So imagine stuff. this picture. The Germans are looking out. Go back to that one, the one before. Like the Germans are up there in the grassy knoll area looking out and seeing all the ships. And then they realize that there's guys climbing up the cliff. So they just start picking them off and shooting them. Um, like it's almost, it's almost, imp I remember reading about this years ago, thinking to myself, like, as soon as you get your head above the cliff, they just shoot you. <laughs> it's like, exactly. I, yeah. yeah. It's like, so you got up the cliff. Woo. 
and yeah, then now you get shot. Boom. And then yeah. you're getting shot. It, it's almost unimaginable. Mm-hmm. The courage. And these takes, guys just did it. The courage it takes to do that. It's almost unimaginable. Here's the giant gun that they used to, uh, you know, protect against <clears throat> our ships. So it had gears that went around. I mean, yeah, just giant German. I mean, their artillery and their look Where's at this the, concrete. Look how nice this is. It's still there, and it's still there. Look at that. Now let's see. Did we ever get the rope up there? Let's find the rope. Yeah, I'll find it here. So There's our ranger thing. Like these guys, the Germans are safe in there. Yeah. Oh yeah. Totally safe. There's the gun. There's one of them. There's they had the them all up there. Yeah, they had a bunch of idiots. I mean, look at these bunkers. That's 70, 60 years later, 70 years later. Look at that. Look at this concrete. That's beautiful. <laughs> and it's um They should put a golf course up there. It looks like Pebble Beach, doesn't it? <laughs> so oh, look man, down there. there you go. Nice. So you got guys, imagine just uh, GIs, Rangers, and a rope. And they didn't have Under Armour back then. They had wool, heavy wool, backpacks, um, and just canvas. See, uh, their boots were awful. Just leather with rubber strapped to it. See, like now we get down to like ounces. Like we're shaving off grams yeah. and ounces off our, our of our equipment. And, you know, these guys had pounds and pounds. Yeah, where is that? Uh, I think yeah. it's on here. We got to find the rope. Yeah, there it is. There it is. All right, so right there. pull that up. Check yeah. that out. Look at that. So that's that little skinny thing. And then you have guys up here shooting at you. And guys from the left and from the right, major machine guns. Can you imagine being, like being, I remember hearing the stories and reading stories of the guys that were the first ones there and they shoot their grappling hook up there and they're going to go, uh, they're going to go climb up there. It's like, you would think to yourself, there is no way I'm going to survive this. So these are people and I'm going to, and, and not only that you're there, you can't retreat. These are people who were farmers, teachers, businessmen who joined up some of vol- most voluntarily and decided, this is what we're going to do. Like these are people now. These are well, this we're is, talking 18 years old. Yeah. You know, some 18, 17 19, 20, years old that lied. Yeah. Some of them lied at 16, yeah, 15, 16, 16 yeah, to get in to go do it. And, and, imagine that like go look around a college campus these days i told my sons this i was like you know drew you're old enough now or there were guys like your age in world war ii getting shot at taking out german bunkers and you know your problem is you got to change the flat tire which i made him do on his own he actually he he had a flat tire he called me i got a flat tire so i'll be there in a minute and i almost regretted saying it he goes no i got it he did it took him nice figured it out figured out um anyway so these guys are young guys these guys didn't have a book to say what to do. They wrote the book. Yeah. They yeah. just said, we're just going to go do it. These are the guys that made it possible for us to have a dollar 89 gallons of milk. See, they, those are the guys that I can always ac- accept their tattoos. Hell um, yeah. Because awful like, freaking blobs uh, of yes. tattoos. And, yeah. and, and, and that was one great thing about the nineties working at the country club there. And these guys that played cards and they had business. And, you know, in, in the later nineties, you know, they, they were passing away, right. And they were dying because of their age. And, but I got to hear stories. I'm not talking about war stories, but some of them would come up very vague, but I could tell their business mentality when they came back, because when they came back, they were like, if we did this, every day can do anything. Every day is gravy after this. Every yeah, After that, right there, they came back and, and these guys had these bad tattoos because a, they didn't know if they were going to keep their arm. That's right. They didn't know if they were coming back. Right. They didn't care. They yeah. didn't have, they had no clue. And, you know I mean? And these guys, you know, some of them, you know I mean? Became 
very successful, especially like in the eighties or, or you know, in the seventies. Yeah. They became very successful at the businesses that they built and and what Think they Mad Men. and what they and went through. Other, but they they were always they did not get the benefit of any post traumatic stress disorder PTSD nope. type no. counseling. No, they just said, "Here you go, come on back into society, guys." And there's a movie I saw this. It was uh, the movie is probably in the 50s, I would guess, late 40s, early 50s. Had another kid that came home. It's like it, it just showed. It was like Hollywood's attempt to show this the trouble that they that they were experiencing coming back, and you know the end was all happy. They got sober and they went back to their families and life was good. But I, I clearly it wasn't that. I mean, and we all know those sort of. Um, hey man, let me tell like you, my granddad, was, my granddad, World War One. He was a medic on the front lines in the trenches. Had a third of his stomach cut out. Some bitch lived to he was eighty six. Smoked a pack of Pall Mall Reds every day. Had his black label. Some bitch would walk up to the Elks Club every day, open it up. He, he used 10 bar, never talked about any of it. And rumor has it, he was a freaking war hero. He, he and his brother, Frank, my, my great uncle, they never talked about it. Nothing ever till the day he died. And he didn't get in. But we all knew that, you know, Grant Fred was, uh, you know, we used to call him angry. You got like, to show yourself there. Yeah. Oh, sorry. There he is. We, hey. We we think that he was just angry, right? And then I grew up, and it's like, no man, he, he saw it. He, he went he was through there. it. Yeah, and we all had in the eighties. Like there were still dads and grandpas <laughs> around that had like they were quiet. You just, you just didn't talk to those guys. And nope. you know, we had at Thanksgiving a guy that would come in, and he started to tell war stories a little bit. He was in Italy. I don't know if he was at Anzi. I, I don't. I can't remember, but he would never tell like the real ones, like killing people in foxholes and and then if they did it they never talked about that and ever. he would tell the fun he was a quartermaster at one point mm-hmm. he would tell the funny stories about going to find supplies and and doing stuff like they were funny drunk stories right and uh i asked him one time uh i think my dad asked him he goes you were there you were there he goes yeah and you were in a foxhole and he just sort of nodded he goes yeah and stayed quiet and that's for a it long time yeah. and he finally broke the silence and he goes, he goes, nobody wants to hear those stories. Well, so, I, I'll tell you the funny stories. Yeah. Now I did want to hear those stories. I mean, not, not out of my, not for, to edify this my is world war one. Two, 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 two. Two. But, but if you think about it, who's in the foxhole on the other side, it's the farmers, the business owners, those, those the teachers people, exactly the freaking, that, yeah. that are against us. And they're yeah. scared shitless as much as we are. Mm-hmm. Why would we want to talk about killing somebody that just, they're frozen. You shot them, but you had to. And the I mean, stuff you know, they awful. saw. The exactly. Stuff. The stu- just the stuff it's that they just, saw. It's just the human carnage yes. that humans can do to humans. It's not as it's I grow heroic, older, but it's not something you gloat about. No, and you just don't. You know, I was in the army, but, but it wasn't anything like you that. Had to do it. You had to do it. And just that, what people can do to people is nobody. Uh, let me tell you, you don't want war. You don't want any kind of mm, war. Man. You don't, I, people want what we had. That's what we want. That's what we want. That's freedom. That's everything, man. All these people calling for civil war and all this kind man, you don't ever want to see, oh. you don't ever want to see any of that shit. No, it's no. the worst. If you, you don't want your kids to have to grow up like that. No, what well, the and, hell? And, and, you know, people just don't understand because we don't have anybody today. Like we grew up with, I wanted to hear it. I wanted to know about it. It was horrible. It was so horrible they couldn't talk about it. You know, my father said my grandfather was in Patton's in the army, and and my dad has said before he was like, you know, 
he had PTSD, but nobody talked about, knew about, or, you know, no, had, no, had anything yeah. of that, you know I mean? And nor was there any help for him. That's and what I mean by my granddad. Was like my grandfather, yeah. he would drink, you know I mean? But I mean, he, he worked every day, even when it came worked down where day. he, he worked yeah. at the grain elevator and, yep. uh, until he went, he would have died on the day of, what was, I forget the, the year, but it was a voting day. He was, he was going to vote and yeah. he sat out on the porch and that was the end of it. That was it. Yeah. And so they, when they, you know, and, and think of the droves and the amount of men and women that came back. Oh my God. Hundreds of thousands. There's a funny story I've read about, uh, talking about guys coming back and being able to do anything they wanted. There was a, like, if you go back to the college days, these guys would come back at 21 years old, 22 years old, and they're going to go back and get their education. And, uh, they would show up on college campuses and like, Back in those days, you had the hazing where you had to wear stupid beanies or whatever. And uh, I, I remember reading some stories about these veterans coming back and some of these kids saying, well, you have to wear a beanie. And they would just look at him like, yeah, no. Right. Give me my camel, no filter, please. <laughs> Where's <laughs> the damn class? Right, oh, when they know. came back, they changed a lot of stuff institutionally. Those guys, just because of the way they were. Yeah, they were they were tough, hardened. Oh. and And they were, I mean... They're like, Look, Sonny, I climbed a cliff and killed a bunch of Germans. I ain't but wearing they a didn't talk about it. That's what's so amazing is they were no. so humble about it or so in such pain about it that yeah. they didn't ever talk about it. And same with Vietnam guys. I mean, I, right. there's a few Viet, I know plenty no, of we Vietnam got a lot, guys. We know a lot of Vietnam well, guys just because, of, because of my age. Right. Yeah. You know I mean, every, you know, I mean, uh, family members, you know, I mean, uncles that, that all yeah. were in Vietnam. And then you always had that friend you go over the sleepover mm. and it'd be like, hey, right. His dad's a little crazy. Yep. He's Vietnam crazy. My football coach. Well, and, and <laughs> I, 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 we had a teacher, uh, a math teacher at, at, at Westville yeah. South. And, yeah. uh, you know, those, yeah, I remember I had a buddy, man, Charlie, and his, him and his brother were acting <laughs> up. So his dad put him in boot camp. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I mean, he'd make, he would call him, you know what I mean? They'd have to yeah. run out, do push ups, you know what I mean? Run, I mean, he, hey. he was like, uh, you know, and then that was the whole deal. Well, let me tell you, and like I say, so that war wasn't fought like the other war, right? No, no. I keep saying the war today is not fought like the war yesterday. Yeah. It's just as bad. And you talk to any of these Iraq guys and these guys that have been in Afghanistan, dude. Bottom line is when you're scared shitless and somebody's shooting at you or you got to kill somebody, think about that. That's horrible. Think about that. Combat, close combat, hand to hand combat. I got to get my freaking bayonet out and I got to stab a dude. Now there's think a, about that. Yeah. I got a, I got my and those guys are wild. Well, and that that changed things out because then we got into, you know, I mean, warfare that was done in city blocks. Mm-hmm. Right. You right. know what I mean? To where you're you get trapped. Yeah. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? And yeah. and it, it's it was a total different. I mean, you go it's down the road, you go down the different. wrong road, you're blocked in. You're you know, I mean, there was a lot, you you're stuck in one building. Yeah. Plus, you're fighting an enemy that is totally brainwashed. They're in. Yeah, they are. So they're, they're they're Japanese. Yeah, yeah. Well, true. That's a good point. Yeah, they, they were. Japanese they were. were yeah, it's kind of kamikaze stuff. Yeah, it's almost Fanatics. kamikaze feel. So, yeah. There was, yeah, they found yeah. they found Japanese in, in the jungles that don't even, they don't even believe that the, it's over. Yeah, so Japanese, Japanese, let me tell you this real quick story. So I have on the uh, on my mom's side, I have all the great aunts that are all the God-fearing people. They wouldn't buy any Japanese products because I had two uncles that died in the Pacific Theater. The Japanese had even the indigenous people so brainwashed that the Americans would finally take the island or whatever. The, the native people would take their babies and jump off the cliffs and kill themselves yeah. because they thought the Americans would kill them. They were throwing kids off the cliffs. Throwing oh, kids oh. off the cliffs. 
and total we, populations. And the GIs were like trying to. They're stop like, it. what? Yeah. What is happening? And mm. oh my god, read about the Pacific Theater. Oh, it's, it's horrible. Pacific, yes, because those reports were coming back, like chopping off a guy's testes and shoving them in his mouth and sticking them up on a pike. That's yeah. what the Japanese did. That's why my God-fearing old ladies, they couldn't talk about it, and they would never buy anything Japanese. Ever. It's, it's so... Uh, so they had that old Zenith TV until <laughs> it freaking broke. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Zeniths last forever. Yeah, forever. Yeah. Used to. Those were yeah. good old TVs, yeah. Big yeah. time. Yeah. Now, I have, uh, I have an investigator I've worked with for years, and he was coming in one day to work. Um, I had plans to meet with my team on this trial that we were working up. And we were in our old conference room and he came in and I was, while we were waiting on everybody to come into the room, he started talking about Vietnam. He started talking about what he did in Vietnam. He started talking about how he was a tunnel rat in Vietnam. And huh. I'm not just talking that he was a tunnel rat, like huh. telling me stories about what it was like to be in the tunnel in the dark and in deciding, all right, do I want my arms and my weapon in front of me? Or do I want my arms or my weapon behind me? Because you're going to go to a place where you can't change once you're in there. Oh my God. And you could run into somebody and you're face to face, but Ugh. neither can do anything. I mean, it's like he was telling, and I, I stopped and I said, just stop right there. And I made everybody come in from the office. I put the phones on forward and I said, let's, and we just listened to him for, for several hours, tell stories. And it was the first time I'd ever really experienced a guy who was in that situation talk about it the way he talked about it. And it wasn't bragging. It wasn't, um, it, 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 it was nothing other than, just telling what he did. And I asked him about that. And I said, man, I, nobody, I, I've never experienced this. Nobody's ever really talked about this like this. I told him a story about the guy at Thanksgiving. I mean, I, I, and he just said, you know, I came, I came to an understanding with God and this is how I have to deal with it. And it, it remarkable, remarkable. I tried to get him in here. On it is. It's yeah. Hey man, war is hell no matter what. I mean, did read about the revolutionary war, what those guys went through, what they did yep. for us. Yep. I mean, well, this it's was, amazing the the crap that the human spirit can put up with. This is and a power through. This is a little bit more than just a this day in World War II history, but I think it was well, worth it. And, it is because it's a huge. That is a that was a huge day in the in World War II. Us coming, yeah. you know, building landing strips in twelve days right there, so that we could get to Germany and all that other stuff. Yep. Now think of the perspective. So we always think of it from our perspective. Think about the English perspective, the German perspective well the french the mm -hmm. russian perspective because those guys so that's the first war where the where the country that lost the most people um won think about that yeah that's sort of interesting the yeah. russians talking about the soviets yeah. yes they yeah. lost a boatload of people and, and yeah. they killed half their own people we I should mean, do we'll do we'll do a thing on stalingrad one of these days yes that, that oh stalingrad was yeah. an amazing i mean women fighting in the streets I mean, against the germans really, the germans really were that story. close to taking if they would have taken that they're right on to moscow well i'm gonna we're gonna shift gears i'm gonna tell you yeah, which is right, sort of relevant but uh one news story i saw that i wanted to cover we were talking oh. about flags before and right. um you know we do uh there's been a big debate and i'm just going to give my two cents because it is our show here but uh, there was a big debate about whether we should fly any other flags on top of federal government uh, structures, whether it's the pride flag, whether it's the uh, POW flag, or whether it's the flag, Black Lives Matter flag. And I, 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 was, I read some stories on this, and I saw it, and we had 
eventually the Department of Defense came out and they said, we are not going to fly the pride flag over our military bases. Uh, I think some of our embassies were flying it. It is pride month. Um, some of our embassies were flying it. Some other government entities were flying it. And I got to thinking about it and it was an interesting segue into this notion of, of uh, free speech and, and what the government can do, what they shouldn't do and what it is. And it just dawned on me that if you're going to put up any flag other than old glory, then the government is automatically. So I guess this is out there to those who think they should fly the pride flag because it's a good cause or black lives matter flag because it's a good cause. But what if, what if then the KKK wants their flag flown? What if um, I want my flag flown? What if we want a comedians on South high flag flown? Uh, where does it stop? And then who decides the content of it? And to those who think that just by refusing to fly the flag, the government isn't woke or the government isn't doing it. What they're doing is they are preserving the integrity of the government to be an independent, neutral arbiter of the constitution of the United States, where they're not going to choose a side in any cause like that, because then how are they going to explain to the other side that they're not choosing them? And that becomes a first amendment content based regulatory scheme over uh, employed by the government. And so here we have the U S embassy in Vatican flies a pride flag not, outside its building at the Vatican. Yeah. So I bet they're, I bet they're not, <laughs> That's not flying political it. at all. I bet they're not flying it in like, um, in a, in a Muslim country that, that, uh, is, is directly, directly would discriminate against. I didn't realize it was gay this folks. freaking ridiculously political. So that's a very political statement. Oh, and when the government starts making political statements like that, it scares the crap out of me because what they're doing is they're saying, we're going to fly this flag here. Now I'm going to, what if I wrote a letter that says, I want, I want the, uh, I want the don't tread on. I always forgot what that flag's called. The don't tread on me flag. Uh, New Hampshire. No, no, it's just no. that's just the don't try. No, it's flag. got a name. It's got a name. I don't, I don't know what it is. It's uh, I always, always lose it. It's the uh, Gadsden flag. There you go. Okay. Um, now, what if I want the Gadsden flag flown? And you know, to me, I remember seeing this flag in in literally seventh or eighth grade. Well, we'll, and, we'll cleanse our visual palette there by uh, having this on. Well, look, <laughs> what's interesting to me is when when that was taught to me when I first learned about this flag, it was taught as a very good thing. You know, this is like yes. we decided that we are not going to let the government that is the king trample us anymore. Yeah, it's a symbol We're of our not freedom. Going to do it. This was us saying no more. Don't tread on me. We're free. And I still believe to me, that's what that means. But now it's, it's taken on this different connotation that somehow it's controversial to have a don't, I have two of them. Um, and you know, it's the idea is to me, I don't like the government choosing sides on any of those political type issues that are controversial. So if the government's flying a black lives matter flag, then how can you explain not flying a KKK flag because without destroying the integrity of the first amendment or the integrity of the neutrality of the government on such things. So it doesn't, and I guess the point is the department of defense said, no, we're not going to do it. And I think they took some grief, but they, they didn't say it's not because we support the cause or don't support the cause. It's because what are we going to do when somebody else wants to fly their flag. I want that flag. And, well, and, let me ask you this. Though. I want I want to distinguish, and this may be nitpicky in regards to words, mm -hmm. but you show that picture of the embassy. I don't consider that flying the flag. I consider that displaying the flag. When, when I hear fly, I think it's going up on the pole and it's underneath Old Glory. Yeah, That's not what that was. And I, 
to me that and, is because uh, flying i don't know it, to me flying it's like all of a sudden okay it becomes antagonistic because they're flying it on a pole if you're displaying it look i don't have a huge issue with that it's just displaying it i've got an enormous i don't have an issue you, with the fact that the flag exists yeah. or that people display it i got a huge issue with the government choosing to display it in any way shape or form true true yeah I, I, like i said it's semantics no, in regards I, it's terminology, a good point you know. it's a good point they're not flying it next to the united states flag and that's but they are fine, displaying but, it. But they are, though. You're right. You're and, right. And Display versus flying. That is the government taking up a cause. True. Yeah. And if they're going to take up one cause, how do they distinguish others? And you're, right. you're going to say, well, that's right. easy. We're only going to take up the ones that are right. <laughs> All right. Well, you can't. We have a country where we have the freedom not to agree with a homosexual lifestyle mm-hmm. or to agree with a homosexual lifestyle because they are the same right in, in, in the inverse. Yeah. Um, and if I don't like um, fascism, what if I want the government to display a fascist flag? Yeah, and, and there are certain groups that are, or the big one, the Confederate the, flag. I don't know what the term is that they take over the yeah. flag itself. So when I see "Don't Tread on Me," and it, see, in what's but it interesting, wasn't because, before him, yeah, but it wasn't. But it wasn't I, before know, him, and there were now, people that though. flew that flag all over the place. My brothers, exactly. My brothers had that now. flag. We would go on those nine eleven rides. And we'd have flags on our bikes. Mm-hmm. And my brother would have an American flag and a don't, don't tread, tread on me flag. Yep. Okay. And that had nothing to do with Trump. Nothing to Trump, do with Trump. Trump, Trump nothing, this but, but this it, is way before yeah. I ever thought he was going to run for president. Yeah. So yeah. for now, that you know, that then you're exactly right. Yeah. And the way that people, but, well, then the Europe, none, it's like, well, I wasn't, no. You know what I mean? How are you going to just throw me in on that? And, and that's what and I'm they saying is scary about just all kinds of people. Right. And this is the, this, this is the argument. You were here for that when we had an argument with, uh, I got, I got into it with Mark about this, a uh, friend of mine about the Confederate flag mm-hmm. in, in not the real, not the, not the country Confederate, but the one that everybody knows. Right. So I got into an argument about that and he said, it's a racist symbol and that's the only way to interpret it. And I thought, no, it's not the only way to interpret it. And what's happened is the Gadsden flag that we just talked about, that's what's happening with that. Yes. Yeah, right. It's that's like, what I'm saying. It's, flags can accidentally go that direction. If my grandfather – Not to display or fly. Yeah. If, if my grandfather died in the Civil War and he fought for the South because he just happened to live there, then I could have easily have a connection to that flag and his heritage uh, independent of slavery and racism. And I could also understand completely that others would look at that as a symbol of slavery and racism, but I don't. Now, either way, I agreed with Mark in one significant thing. I don't think our federal government should fly that flag any more than it should fly the gay pride Mm -hmm. flag or the Black Lives Matter flag or the Gadsden flag or any other flag. It flies old glory, and that is it. And by fly, I mean display. So I understand the distinction. There is somewhat a distinction, but that's a matter of degree to me. Not It is. It is. Yeah. not, uh, Not the principle of we are united under one nation. And that's the flag we fly. And if you're going to, if you want to disunite people, then fly something controversial and see how well that goes for you. Because half the country is going to say, I don't like that gay pride flag. And they have every right to not like it. Right. Every right. There's been a lot of companies that have co-opted, and that's the term I was thinking <sighs> of, change their, I know, change their logo for the month to the, the, the uh, you know, color. Mm-hmm. And people making a choice i know there's a local bank that did that and they said are you supporting this and that bank commented back in the facebook feed yes and he said bye-bye yeah 
But that's his choice. Every choice in the world to do that. Right? Every choice. And the business had the choice to do it. And God bless them. They did no, it. And that's a, cool. As a business. That's what you want to do. It. As a business trying to earn money in our country, I would probably choose not to fly any controversial flag, even if I agreed with it. I'm not going to, if the Gatson flag offends people that could be my customers, well, I'm not going to probably fly it because I don't want to offend people. I'd rather not have the conversation. Look, I believe in the Gatson flag for reasons that aren't the ones that are bad that you think they are. And, and, you know, to me, um, it's, it's a totally different scenario. If Jared at his store wants to fly a flag, gay pride, black lives matter, uh, Gatson, I love the police, the blue line flag, whatever it is, it doesn't make any difference because you're a private business and you can do it. But as soon as the United States government starts to do that, we are running down a divisive slippery path that I think has, uh, consequences beyond what people see as the issue at hand. The issue at hand is, well, it's a good cause. You should support it. All right, great, fine. You can support it. But that doesn't mean that our country should fly it. And the only way around choosing sides is to choose no sides. Right? Right. One. And that's uh, then you have no content-based decision-making mm-hmm. on those kind of things. So anyway, that was my two. That's, no, about, I agree. I agree. that's what's weird about how, where we're living in now. Um, companies, you never used to know what the heck anybody... They're agnostic on everything. They're a company. Mm-hmm. Now, boy, it's freaking in your face about every political movement and that's all this right. stuff in Mark- every company. It's, yeah, it's marketing and, and, it's and crazy. PR that's that's driving that, that they see a, a targeted niche market that they can go after. And it's like, hey, we super serve them anyway. Let's just put it out there and I, say we're going to. Versus our, that, versus our actions that we're doing it already. And, and it's funny. There it was is. a time. There, there was a time in my career where I was representing um, a bunch of, a, a lot of guys who were gay and it's not, it, it just so happened, right? I, I helped out some guys that came in and uh, they were, char- there was one guy charged with OBI. We, we worked hard. We got a good result for him and he started referring people and it, you know, it wasn't, I didn't care at all. I could care less, but I'm still not going to fly the gay flag and I'm not going to fly a black lives matter flag. I'm not going to fly a thin blue line flag. I'm not going to fly any flags over my business because I am here to help everybody. I'm not going to choose sides. I don't care. And it's, I think that's changed now in some sense And how that happens is I think there's a lot that goes into it, but I think some government incentivization of huge conglomerate or of huge corporate business is part of it is that these companies now feel the, there you go. How about that? These companies now feel the pressure that if they don't fly this, then they're in danger of being canceled. Well, this includes everybody. (laughs) I guess, but you know what? I I understand what that flag is saying. It's the same. So don't tread on me means the government can't tell you as a gay man or a gay woman that you can't do something, that you can't be gay. I believe in that as much as I believe in the opposite. So it's, it's just so important to me that the government not choose sides and tell us how we have to believe what we have to think and how we have to live in that. Well, and here's the thing. Why is everything so polarized now? Why is it that, like you always say, Steve, you know, two things can be true about something. You know, well, multiple like, things usually are true. And There's now the definition, so now the definition has changed where if you don't believe that definition, then you're racist. Throw it out. Throw everything out that has anything to do with any negative connotation. Well, these are categorical. Well, well who's, who's making the who's making that case that it is negative? Maybe negative for you. It's not for me. And why do we have to change everything in history 
just because it had a bad freaking thing happen. Well, it, it's it, to we're me, human. We're flawed. It, the, the Nothing is perfect. The categorical arguments usually to me mean somebody has an indefensible position. Oh, you believe that you're a terrible person. All right. What do you say? Right. You're a racist. All right. Well, what do you say to that? No, I'm not. Can we now go back and talk about what I was, what we, what I was trying to talk about? It's like, there is no, there, that's a shutdown type response. I don't want to hear anything you have to say. And I don't want to hear anything you have to say because you, you, now you're a rate. And you know, to me, that only reflects a bad argument. that's illogical, unsound, and probably lacks some morality behind it anyway. And eventually fails. I think all that eventually fails. Now, how catastrophic the failure is, is what we wait to see here. But uh oh, we've had a catastrophic failure on audition. It had problem writing to the disc. So we're still live on right, YouTube. Well, let's keep going. Live. Oh, cool. Um, all right. Well, let's wrap it up anyway. That's about gave it. it. So we had that gave us um, an hour and 15 minutes. We have uh, this has been another live riveting episode of Lawyer Talk off the record on the air. We have lots of stuff going on. Comedians going on tour. We have um, uh, the Patreon account, which, you know, people are stacking up with their dollar bills left and right. So if you want to be part of that trend, just like go to uh, channel511.com yeah. <laughs> and you can, uh, and you can, uh, you can too become a patron. The dollars in. Um, uh, stay tuned for more live stuff here at channel 511 on YouTube live lawyer talk off the record on the air, at least until now.